This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Really excited that you guys are here. Uh, we kicked off a series called That's Fire a few weeks ago. If you've been here with our guest speakers throughout this month, it's been really, really good. And it's going to be, I believe, for many of you, a trajectory-altering day. I, I think there's a, a word for you today that could really transform where you are. I don't want you to miss out on that. I get to give you a gift today. All right, and that's my friend Sean Olson. Sean pastors a church called Venture Church. They're in Bluffton, South Carolina. Five years ago, literally this weekend, Sean was here preaching as they were preparing to start Venture. And that sounds awesome, doesn't it? We were able to bless them, encourage them, but bro, he started it right before the pandemic in a public school. And got kicked out of a public school because they weren't going to let churches come into there. No recourse, no other place. And I want you to know that I've watched him lead through that season as his friend. Constantly asking the questions, processing what we can do. He's so ridiculously intentional. Y'all ever known a CrossFitter? Okay. He used to be a CrossFit coach, okay? That's how dedicated and intentional he is. He doesn't do anything halfway. And through the middle of the pandemic, Venture merged with another church, acquired a permanent location. In the last year, they've doubled in size. And out of a very difficult time for him and his family, God brought about a remarkable blessing. I'm so thankful for Sean and his wife, Angela. They've been here this weekend with their boys. They're a consistent encouragement. They lead so well, and we're so blessed to have them with us today. So would you welcome my friend, Sean Olson? Oh, I don't know uh, about all that. Uh, I'm grateful for the, the kind words. More importantly, I'm grateful for God's favor. Come on, somebody. You can be the best leader in the world and you can make all the right decisions and be so intentional, but the moment God's favor is not in it, it doesn't matter. And uh, before I even get to the message, I'll just tell you this. Sometimes you feel like you've lost your place and really what God's done is brought you into your purpose. We were kicked out of our place. Our church was homeless uh, and it was most certainly difficult, but really God was drawing me into purpose and away from what I felt like my place was. And I think sometimes we feel displaced and God's calling us to our destiny. And there's a big time difference. And I'm going to speak for a little bit today when I get there about struggle. But even before so, can I just thank this house? First, let me tell you, you have the best pastor in the world. Pastor and Amanda are so life-giving to Angela and I. You know, I'll tell you, I'll talk about relationships in a moment. When you go through the struggle, the people you surround yourself is really important. By the way, here's your shameless plug for small groups. You're going to walk through struggle. You're going to choose people. What happens on the other side is what people you choose. Just going to tell you right now, uh, I'm not a, a, a staff member of this church. I'm a believer in Jesus and the truths found in the Word of God. Struggle is guaranteed in life. 
Relationships are guaranteed in life. The difference maker is what relationships you choose in the middle of struggle. You have people that their, their purpose in your life is to keep you in the struggle. Then you have people that their purpose in life is to push you towards Jesus. I'm grateful for my friends, Kevin and Amanda, in the middle of our struggle, pushed me towards Jesus, pushed me towards purpose, uh, and really supported us. I will tell you this, venture doesn't exist if it's not for Vortex Church. Come on, somebody. This is the way the body of Christ is meant to work together. We were, in fact, here five years ago. I was young. Come on, somebody. My kids were young. Come on, somebody. And we ain't never planted a church. Five years later, I'm not young. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, my kids tomorrow start high school and middle school. They ain't young. Y'all should pray for me again. I'm about to have a high schooler and a middle schooler. Uh, there's no more elementary school in the Olson house. Uh, and we do, in fact, get to pastor an incredible church called Venture. And in the last five years, I've actually believed this week, today, we will have seen 800 people say yes to Jesus. That's what matters. How'd you get there? Well, let me tell you real quick, since you're a huge part of it, the pandemic did come. Uh, we were kicked out of our school. They told us it would be two weeks, and I laughed. I said, ain't no way we're going to be back in this building in two weeks. Uh, so in the next two years, we met in 14 different locations, including a CrossFit gym, to preach the gospel. Uh, it was hard. And then we did land where God was calling us all along. You see, in order to get to our facility we opened up last year, we had to do church in a CrossFit gym. And sometimes we want to get to God's end destination without the process. We want the Waze version of faith. Anybody want the Waze version of faith? Like, reroute me, Jesus. You know it's coming. Can't you tell me there's traffic ahead? Just send me this way. Aren't we grateful for Waze? Come on, somebody. They tell me where the police are. I mean, I'm just saying. They say, your pastor may speed a little bit. It's okay. They tell me where the poly, they tell me where the traffic is. They tell me where the obstacles are. They tell me where the construction is. Wouldn't it be great if that's how faith worked? But Jesus says, I got to do something through it. Through it, not around it. Uh, and that's what it took for Venture Church. So, man, I'm excited to be here, and I want to encourage you. I really, my hope and my prayer today is just simply to encourage because I feel like our culture our society as a whole in the last few years has just been inundated with pressure like you look at people it's inundated with stress and anxiety I mean if you're if you're around reading any kind of articles or, or, or surveys let me tell you mental illness is on the highest rise it's ever been we got pressure stress depression we got it all right now you look at people in the eye and they're looking at you like this you're like you all right People come into church, and you're like, how was your week? And their eyes are held up and like, it's fine. <laughs> really? Because your eyes say a little something different. It's like my dad, he was a pastor, and, and he had a receding hairline, and he had one vein that went from like right here to right here. And he could tell you whatever you wanted, that vein told the truth. <laughs> like, dad, you all right? And that vein is like, <laughs> nah, he ain't all right. It's like we come to church and the whole week has been terrible. Come on, somebody. We've been fighting with our kids the whole way in. We open the car door at the cinema to go worship the Jesus. We're like, I'm fine. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you, you walk through the door. You see the Vortex sign out front. You're like, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. In the meanwhile, you're going, life is terrible. Life is hard. The only way to see real victory is to be real. Did you know that? 
we've learned to hide the struggle and that keeps us in the struggle. I just want to tell you, I don't need you to hear or be impressed by a communicator today. My goal at the end of the day, honestly, is that, I, that you see Jesus. And that's it. I, I, I tell my church all the time, you don't need to know what t-shirt to wear, what the pastor's name is. You need to know Jesus at the end of the day. And that, that's my hope. So I just want to encourage you out of the scripture today. I want to tell you a story of a couple sisters. Mary and Martha, right? Mary and Martha are all through the narrative of Jesus' life. Of course, we know them uh, by the dinner and the celebration they throw. We know Martha by her distractions, right? Martha's out serving and doing all the stuff. Martha's the person on the setup and teardown team in a portable church, right? I'm pulling in this morning, and I'm watching people pick up trash in the parking lot of the movie theater. I look at my wife, I go, that's what I love about God's people. Because they didn't believe it was a movie theater today. It was the house of the Lord. And they were going to honor it as such. And they were going to serve it as such. That's Martha, man. Martha's out there. Now, Mary. Mary's known as her worship style. Mary's the one that's in the front three rows. And as soon as the guitar strums and Pastor Kevin's angelic voice hits, hey, come on, somebody. Didn't your pastor good? I didn't get to give him as much grief first service. Second service, it's coming, right? Like, and, and he starts strumming that guitar. Mary's like this. Lord, yes. Anoint him, Lord. Just shower us with your presence. I mean, that's Mary. She is a worshiper. And we know Martha for her serving and distractions. And we know Mary for her worship. But what happens if we really looked at Mary's worry and disappointment that came before her worship? You see, I want to tell you, when you look around this room and you inhabit the praises of God's people, there's a story behind the celebration. Sometimes there's a struggle behind the testimony of worship that you never know, but you feel the power of worship. This is why corporate worship is important. Because it changes things, because I bring my testimony of faith when I come in and worship. So let's jump into Mary's disappointment. John 11, verses 1 to 2. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. Yeah, this is the same Mary and Martha. The ones that had the dinner and the celebration for Jesus. You see what I've recognized in the last five years since the last time I stood on this stage is sometimes there's a struggle before the celebration. Sometimes there's a struggle before the celebration. Sometimes there's a season of sorrow before a season of celebration. And we want, we want the celebration. We're all about the celebration, but faith is forged in the struggle and praise is released in the celebration. There's a difference. And we want the praise party without the prayer meeting. But let me tell you what I believe the church, Big C Church, not just this church, not just Venture Church, we need a few more prayer meetings. You need to be in the week where you're praying in the house of God for His church and His purpose because prayer meetings is where, how I get to the praise party. Come on. I, I mean, I tell my church like this. I'm an old school church kid. I got felt board faith. Come on. Anybody got Sunday school and veggie tales in them? Yes, I do. Uh -huh, come on, Bob and Larry. I got you. Right? Like sometimes I grew up, my grandmother wore holes in the floor where she prayed on her knees before God. I think we want the celebration without the struggle, but sometimes in our story, the struggle precedes the celebration. And I just want to tell you, there may be disappointment on the way to your destiny. 
But there's a, there's a line in this story that jumps out at me. And as I was reading, I said, oh, my goodness, Lord, that's so good. They're talking about Lazarus. Now, if you know Lazarus' story, it's a pretty awesome story, all right? It's pretty good. And they're talking about Lazarus being sick. And in the middle, they do this. This is the same Mary who would later. You mean the author of the Bible, God himself, the people called out Mary's future in the middle of her struggle. This is the Mary who would later worship, who would later pour the expensive, the part of Mary we know about. This is the Mary who would later. You see, I believe this, God's calling out your later in the middle of your struggle. This is the John who would later. This is the, the, the Sam who would later. You see, we get so locked into seeing our struggle, so locked into feeling the stress, the pressure, the anxiety, the sorrow in our life, we forget that God's still got a later for us. I came to tell you that God's still writing your later. This is the Mary who would later, but I find that we stop believing in our later because of our pain right now. And I just came to call it out. You're later going to change the world. You're later going to influence this region for Jesus. You're later, your marriage will be saved and restored. You're later, you will be set free. You're later, you will have peace. And your pain of this season is going to have purpose in that season. You can't quit now. You can't. Because God's still calling out, you're later. You have a later. I came to tell you, don't lose sight of your future purpose because of current pain. Don't lose sight. He, he called me out as a CrossFit coach. Um, in the last five years, some things have changed. I'm not as fit as I used to. I'm trying to kayak with my kids, getting winded, going, Lord, I need more time in the gym. Come on, somebody. It just happens like that when you plant a church. And I used to tell people when they would get in the middle of the workout, right? And I was a, I was a mean CrossFit coach, not like a nice one. There's nice guys and there's me, right? And I would get in their face while they're, they're sweating and they're crying and sometimes they're bleeding. I go, do you remember why you started? Do you remember why you started? Because it's going to get hard and you're going to want to give up. Do you remember why you started? Because you had a goal in mind. You had a destiny in mind. You had a dream in mind. I came to tell you, remember what God called you to and don't give up on it. He's got a dream in your heart, a purpose in your existence. He's got worship in your soul. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. I came to praise God with you today because you got a, you got a later inside of you. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up on your later. Go ahead. No, you go ahead and tell your other neighbor. Say, you got a later too. See, the question is then, how do we get there? How do we get from the pain today to our later tomorrow? And the simple fact is we got to get back to Jesus' feet. Preparing for an event our church was doing, I spent time studying the entire New Testament, and every time somebody had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus, I encourage you to do it. It's awesome. But it's amazing how many people, as soon as they saw Jesus, they just wound up at his feet. Because there's a posture of praise that changes everything. And what I came to tell you is I just want to get you back there for a moment. Back to Jesus' feet where you realize it's a delay. It's just a delay. You see, Mary and Martha, they send word to Jesus. Hey, your boy's sick. And if you go back and you read all of John chapter 11, it says the one you love, your friend, is sick. They're close to Jesus. You would think Jesus would turn around like right now. Ways to reroute me. I'm going back. Got to go hang with Lazarus. Take me to Lazarus' house. But this is what it says in John 11, verse 4 to 6. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. That's a promise. Still hang on to God's promises. They're all yes and amen according to my scripture. 
Sometimes in the pain, I lose sight that God still spoke a promise over me. Lazarus' death will not end in death. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. He stayed. Sometimes the expression of God's love doesn't look like what we think it should look. Anybody ever been there? Like, he's, what you, you, because he loved him, he stayed. You see, what I've recognized about disappointment is disappointment is directly tied to expectation, right? You book that Airbnb and it's got pictures of beautiful water views. You're like, oh, this is going to be so good. It's got a picture of like a full stone rainfall shower head. You're like, whoo, I'm so excited. It's got beautiful bed. And then you get there and all the pictures you saw are hanging on the wall and you go into a shack. You're like, I thought I was going to have that view, not see that view on the wall. I thought I was going to have that shower, not have a picture of it in the bathroom where I barely have a shower that works and I'm scared to get in and the cockroaches are... See, expectations drive disappointment. Come on, you go to the restaurant, you read the, the description of that meal, you're like, whoo, this is a good Italian cuisine. It talks about freshly made and cheeses and tomato sauce and you're like, oh, come on, Jesus. They bring you a plate with a Hot Pocket. Come on, you ain't sure if it's going to burn your mouth or be frozen on the inside, and you're scared of it. And all of a sudden, you're disappointed because your expectations were here. Now watch this. Mary's expectations were healing. Jesus, if you were here, you could have healed him. Jesus' expectations was resurrection. See, this changes everything. When I only pray my expectations into heaven... I live in the land of disappointment because his ways are higher than mine. His purpose is higher than mine. His power is beyond anything I can ask, seek, or imagine. Jesus was coming to do a new thing for Mary and Martha that they had no idea about. But they're living in a land of disappointment because of expectations. And too often what we do is we close the book on our dreams. We close the book on our story before the author is finished writing. But my Bible says in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who told you it was over see what i i'm an impatient person i'm just you know somebody called me out as patient the other day i was like i'm passionate i don't know about patient maybe you got your peas all mixed up come on somebody right i i, I find the temptation to reach up into heaven and pull the, hand, the the pen out of the author's hand and say hey i'm gonna take this chapter god i'm gonna take the pen who told you it was it was over. It's a delay, not a disappointment. Your purpose, your dream, your passion is still out there. You may be standing at the grave of your dreams, your prayers, your hopes. But sometime later, remember this is the Mary who would, who would later pour oil on the, on the Savior's feet. This is the Mary who would later. So in the middle of the struggle, I'm here to tell you, don't take the pen back. He's still writing your story. Just because he's quiet doesn't mean he's quit. I've been in seasons where I prayed and, and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and it just seemed, it just seemed like heaven was so quiet. I came to tell you that just because you're in a season where he seems quiet doesn't mean he's quit working on your behalf. That he's quit writing your story. 
He's still working for you. It may not be in your time. And it may not look like you thought it would. But he is faithful and he will come through. That's why Philippians says it like this. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I love this. I love the, 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 the story and how it begins to unfold because ultimately he calls to Mary. Jesus shows up on town and Martha goes to see him. And, and look at how he pursues Mary in the midst of her disappointment, in the midst of her worry. Her brother is now, is now dead, right? Lazarus dies and she's literally locked in her house mourning. And this is what it says, John eleven twenty eight. 28. Then she, that would be Martha, returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners. Oh, how important is this? She calls Mary aside from the people that have held on to her grief, her bitterness, her pain, and told her the teacher is here and, and wants to see you. Can I tell you this, if anything, today? I believe Jesus is here and he wants to see you. Oh, man, let's not, let's not be all churchy. Let's not be all, oh, I came to church, it was good. I believe the creator of heaven and earth, the one that is writing purpose into your soul, the one that walks with you in the middle of pain, is in this room. And he wants to see you. He called you here. I don't believe any of us are by here by accident. I don't believe I'm up here by accident. I believe I'm here because he wants to see me and he wants me to tell you that he wants to see you. The question is this. Why didn't Mary go with, him, with Martha the first time? Why wasn't Mary there at the engagement with Martha to see Jesus? Go back a few verses and let's just see what happens. John eleven twenty. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meeting. But Mary stayed in the house. Mary stayed in the house. Come on, I believe this is for someone. Your disappointment doesn't disqualify you from your destiny. See, Mary got so disappointed. Jesus is coming. And she can't even go out to see him. She's like, you know, I'm going to stay in the house. And not only am I going to stay in the house, I'm going to be around, go back to your small groups, I'm going to be around people that are going to hold me in my pain. See, notice this. There's two things that happen here. I want to call this out. Before Martha could point her to Jesus, she had to pull her away from the people that were holding her in her pain. She said, pull, i got to pull you away from these mourners. And I came to tell you, sometimes in seasons of grief, some of us have bitterness locked in our heart, and all the people around us are justifying it. The first thing I say in marriage counseling, which, by the way, I'm the worst person to do marriage counseling. I'm a CrossFit coach. I've had people go out and tell my, my admin, like, you know he's not nice, right? Like, I, I'm the worst person. The first thing I'll say is, if your friends aren't pointing you to Jesus and back together, you don't have the right friends. Let me tell you, if you're in this room, you're watching online, and your marriage is on the rocks, the first time your friend says, deliver, you should walk away. You need godly counsel. Unless it's an unhealthy situation, you go talk to your pastor, right? Because he's probably better at this than me. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. I'd be like, I'm a CrossFit coach. Let's get into the, let's do burpees. You know, like, nobody likes burpees. But too often, the purpose of our friends is to keep us in our pain. And I'll tell you why. Because then we depend on the people around us, not the Savior within us. We, people have a Savior complex. And if I'm hurt and broken and I'm the victim and I'm sorrowful, they don't want me to be the champion because Satan will use the people around me to hold me in my house that is full of pain. I think some of us, we've been walking too long in grief. 
Too long in bitterness. Too long in unforgiveness. Too long with the hurt and the sorrow. And Jesus came to town today and said, it's time to get out of the house. I came to pull you away from the influences. Some of us need to shut off social media. Anybody will validate your feelings on social media. Your feelings won't validate your future, though. I mean, come on, somebody. Your feelings won't get you to your future, but I'm calling faith out of your soul. Come on, my soul. You know what your soul is? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. You need to command your soul to worship God, not live by your feelings. Come on, my soul. Get up and praise the Lord. And I love this. He's calling to you. Remember, I got, I got felt-bore faith. I'm going to write a book one day called Felt-bore Faith. Not really. I got felt-bore faith. See, when I went through a season of struggle in 2008, my dad died of cancer. Guess what I prayed? I prayed healing. I prayed all the stuff, right? And I got discouraged. I got disappointed. Verging on depressed. I scheduled to speak in, in the church I was currently on staff at a few weeks later. I went to my, office, my pastor's office. I don't know if I can stand up on that stage and talk about the goodness of God. And I actually got... This incorrect theology in me that Jesus was disappointed in my disappointment. You ever feel that? Let's just be honest, right? That all of a sudden now he's, he's frustrated at me because I'm frustrated. And I love how we see the heart of Jesus in this story. The shortest verse in the entire Bible is in this story. You know what it is? Jesus wept. There you go. Now you have random biblical knowledge. It will probably not do much in your life, but you know it. The shortest verse in the entire Bible is Jesus wept. And he's not weeping for Lazarus. He knows Lazarus is about to get out of the grave. He's weeping in empathy for Mary because he's drawn to her brokenness. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, right? He runs towards you. He's compassionate and empathetic. So he comes to Mary and he weeps with her because he sees pain in her. I want to tell you, your fear, your anger, your disappointment, your discouragement about how life has gone, doesn't turn Jesus away from you. He turns it to you. He's turning towards you in the midst of all that. So here's the question. What do I have to do? Man, this is the hard part. Faith is in action, right? Faith is, is in action. We would love to read the story that Lazarus gets up out of the grave and he comes and he knocks on the door and Mary's there and there's this big celebration. But Jesus called to Mary before he called Lazarus out of the grave, right? We know the story that Lazarus is going to get out of the grave. By the way, can you imagine that moment? Jesus walks up to the grave. He's like, hey, roll the stone away. Roll the stone away. And you actually go back and read the whole account. Martha actually says this. She goes, Lord, he's been dead for four days. He's not going to smell good. In other words, he stanks, Lord. He got some death stank up on him. Sometimes there's stank before there's a miracle. You can use that as southern as you want or spiritual as you want. I don't really care. I'm southern too. It's all right. Sometimes we have to deal with the stank to see the power of God in our lives. And how about this? I mean, this is Jesus. He could have spoke to the stone and watched it rolled away and amazed everybody with his power. But he was more impressed or more intentional at building their faith than impressing them with his power. He told them to move the stone. You're telling me the guy that's going to speak life back into this guy couldn't have spoken to the stone and it moved, but he wants our participation with his power. See, sometimes we want God to heal us, and he wants us to move towards healing. See, it's like this. God, I want to lose 50 pounds because summer's been... He's like, well, there's a salad and there's Krispy Kreme. 
Come on. Uh, listen, that hot and ready light's on. I'm, I'm drawn towards it. It's like a beacon of hope calling to me. God, I want, I want healing in my soul. He goes, I've offered you to forgive people. I want peace. I've offered you peace in me that I've overcome the world. You've got to take the steps. So look what he happens in John eleven twenty nine. 29. So Mary immediately went to him. My question in all reality today is this. Would you rather stay in the house broken, bitter, disappointed, discouraged, or would you rather just run back to Jesus? And you see this picture as she gets to Jesus. What'd she do? She falls at his feet and worships him. This is what I've learned over the last five years. And, and my wife and I, let me tell you, I wouldn't be anywhere in ministry or life without my wife. She is the true faith substance behind me. If you know anything about Angela, she's right here. Come on, somebody. She's so good. Right? We've went through some stuff in the last five years, man. Man, we've been through this, some stuff. Procrastination prolongs your pain and prevents your purpose. So I came to tell you, God still has purpose for you. Ephesians 2.10 tells you, so you're God's best and you're going to do incredible things. That's what Ephesians 2.10 tells you. Satan will use the pain of your yesterdays to prevent you from getting to your tomorrow. Hey, don't you remember they hurt you? Don't you remember you're broken? Don't you remember you're disappointed? Don't forget about your anxiety. And all of the focus of my life will be pulled on what's wrong with my life. Come on, that's, a, that's all we hear anymore is what's wrong with the world. The economy's collapsing. The world's falling apart. By my account, Jesus still reigns. My focus needs to shift from keeping me in the house to the God that's over the house. My focus needs to be put back on Jesus and immediately... Mary went. I've got news. The end of the story, Lazarus walks out. Lazarus is at a dinner a chapter later, and you know who's worshiping at Jesus' feet? Mary. That same Mary who would later pour incredible oil over the head of Jesus and ultimately anoint him for, for his death. By the way, that same Mary is the first one to declare the resurrection of Jesus. That same Mary is the one who Mary is called by name from Jesus after resurrection. God's got a purpose for your life today, and that's what I came to tell you. My question is, are you going to get out of the house? Are you going to go back to Jesus, man? Some of us, we've been separated with Jesus for so long because of things that happened, because of mistakes we've made and things that have been done to us. It's time to get back to his feet. Some of us, for the first time ever, will have an opportunity to say yes to him. Today, really, all I want to do is pray over you. I just want to pray that God would pull you back to him and you would have the humility and vulnerability to say yes. Can I pray for you? I'm going to do it anyway. I have the microphone. Let's be honest, okay? I mean, it's one of the things that comes with wearing the microphone. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would reign in this room. I pray you'd soften our hearts, all of us, that we would hear from you. I pray there's people that have walked with you most of their life, and yet somehow in the corners of their life, they have harbored bitterness and unforgiveness. They have harbored this pain and this frustration. God, I pray there's people in this room that maybe for the first time in their entire life, they're in church. I pray that you would tell them you see them and you're calling to them by name because you have a purpose for their life in your incredible, incredible name. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. 
This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.